This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Monday the 26th of July 2021. Norman, it's been another really big weekend in coronavirus land here in Australia and one of the really awful pieces of news that came out over the weekend was, well, any death is a tragedy, but there was the death of a woman in her 30s with no pre-existing conditions as part of the Sydney cluster. And I think it's gotten a lot of people sort of re-evaluating our our approach to COVID in Australia and our vaccine approach. And a woman in her 30s maybe hasn't been eligible for uh, vaccination, but there are a lot of Australians who are eligible for vaccination and have been for some time. And the uptake rates are still disappointingly low. And so my call out is to 60 to 70 year olds in particular, just looking at the data here. The uptake of first dose is about 60% for 60 to 64-year-olds and 66% for 65 to 69-year-olds. Any 60 to 70-year-old listening, that is really not good. Um, it gets better beyond 70, 75, up to 80%. There's a little bit of dipping around there. But, you know, you can't get your second dose until you've got your first dose. You can't protect yourself and others until you get, you know, you've got to get that first dose, you've got to get the second dose. And if that reflects people who are hanging on for Pfizer, just remember on Friday, TGA approved down to 12 years old. For us to get to herd immunity, we're going to immunise down to 12 years old. And the likelihood is if you're over 60 and hanging on for Pfizer, you're going to be in the queue behind 12-year-olds. So just go out and get the Astra. The risk is incredibly low. The risk of severe problems when, you've got, when, you, when you actually get the vaccine is incredibly low. Just go out and get the Astra get the vaccination rates at least over 60 up to very high levels. I mean, I appreciate it's partly Astra, but the the completed dosage rates are really pathetic. There's 14, 15% in the 60 to 70 year old age group, but it jumps to 30 odd percent and even higher up to 50% in the over 90s. That's partly aged care immunization, I understand that. But we could be doing an awful lot better and the doses are around. Just get that out there. Later in the year, you'll be able to get a Pfizer booster to boost you. But get your dose, first dose, get the second dose pretty quickly. And then so we can move on and at least get the people we can. Then it's a question of you and your, having a chat with you and with your doctor. Uh, if you're younger than that, in terms of the risk benefit equation. But how many more people under 55, under 60 need to die in intensive care in New South Wales? for there to be um, an imperative to actually get immunised and have a think about it. A lot of the conversations that I have with people who are hesitant are are framed around the risks, and I don't think we talk enough about the benefits of AstraZeneca. The early data that came out seemed a bit disappointing in comparison to the other data that was coming out about other vaccines like Pfizer and Moderna, but really the protection, the individual protection that you get as someone who's been vaccinated with AstraZeneca is very high. Yeah, and I think we we spoke about this uh, last Friday, is that the data in the New England Journal of Medicine show that for first doses, there's not much daylight between Pfizer and Astra. So that first dose gives you okay protection. It's not absolutely brilliant with the Delta variant. You you need two doses in. And even when you get to two doses, Astra is getting towards 70%. And yeah, Pfizer is over 80%. And that's against any symptoms. It's not against severe disease. So severe disease is even better than that. It's upwards of 90%. So both vaccines are doing really well where it counts as actually preventing severe disease. 
The way it works with uh, with uh, the Delta strain is that hospitalizations are down, but they're not down as much as ICU admissions and deaths. So you, we're getting good results there. And then let's talk a bit about Pfizer as well, because the other news that came out over the weekend was that there was talk that maybe the gap between the two Pfizer doses might be extended to give a little bit more ability for people um, in Sydney, at least, to access Pfizer earlier. And then also the supplies of Pfizer, like we're in this weird kind of drought situation with it now. We are literally going to get 85 million doses of the stuff over the next couple of years. Yeah, look, it's great that all those doses are coming in. It's still not clear what proportion of those are going to be for children, paediatric uh, versions of Pfizer, for example, and what proportion are going to be new versions of the Pfizer vaccine that are going to be suitable for variants. We just don't know the answer to that yet. But really what we've got to deal with is what's, what's now. And last Friday, really important announcement after National Cabinet, which is that they're going to go for a first dose strategy, which is what we've been talking about on Coronacast for some time. Spoke, you covered it um, on the health report, talking to Nancy Baxter, last Monday and also talked about it on 7.30. So this is a, an important strategy which extends, Terry Nolan at the, at the Doherty Institute has been talking about it for a while, extends the, the second dose of Pfizer to six weeks. And it looks as though that does not diminish the immune response. It may even enhance it a little bit and allows you to really get all a maximum number of first doses out there when you know that there's going to be more supply in about six weeks' time, which will actually deal with your second doses. What we don't know, by the way, is how many doses the Commonwealth has in reserve. Uh, Brad Hazard over the weekend admitted he had no idea what was held by the Commonwealth. This is the New South Wales Health Minister. That's right. And how much could actually be released? And I think they're talking about 50,000 doses, which is a drop in the ocean. But really, how many doses do they have in reserve and able to release? And Martin Foley, the health minister in Victoria, very generously said they need all the doses they've got at the moment, but they would be happy to actually give extra doses to um, New South Wales if extra doses became available. So that's what's needed now to get first doses into people under 60 moving forward, but it's still going to be very slow. And if people are willing to get Aster, they should. So this isn't changing eligibility. It's just opening up, hopefully open up more supply for the people who are currently eligible but are still in a long queue to get a vaccine. That's right. And in New South Wales, they're talking about a targeted campaign in Sydney in the LGAs that are currently under really quite major lockdowns, including um, occupations and so on. So that would be a good thing to do. And then presumably it would work through the eligibility categories right down to quite young age groups. So on Sydney, the numbers over the weekend really didn't inspire a lot of hope. It's it's still looking the same, if not slightly worse than what we were talking about last week, Norman. And it's got a lot of people asking what we need to be doing in Sydney to shift the needle. Um, there's a lot of people wondering about that. And the problem is that we're chasing our tail. Uh, data released yesterday from one of the um, unpaid data analysts, D.B. Raven, who's been doing an- very good analytics over the pandemic, has shown that in Victoria, with their rapid lockdown, they've actually only in reality had one non-isolated case, another one, is- one person circulating in the community after they went to lockdown, whereas New South Wales is chasing its tail, unfortunately. And there's got to be signals about circulation movement. There's still people moving between households. There was a super spreading event mentioned yesterday by Jeremy McInulty, who's the Deputy Chief Health Officer in New South Wales, where somebody died and households gathered together and it became a super spreading event. And there's also the issue of travel. And you, you just need to give really important signals about not going out. 
That could be moving the radius of people allowed to move from 10 kilometres to 5 kilometres for exercise. South Australia has a 2.5 kilometre radius that tells people you can't travel very far. You are going to also, particularly in the southwestern suburbs of Sydney, because disadvantaged groups of people who've got no financial reserves really look hard, and Damien Perrottet, the treasurer of New South Wales, is arguing for this, is returning to JobKeeper, perhaps JobSeeker as well, so that people do not feel the imperative necessarily to move out. They're supported to actually restrict their movements in a situation where of casualised labour and also community leadership. This is a multi-pronged approach here to actually move into what is far lower levels of circulation of people in the community. Dan Andrews, the Victorian Premier, was making the case that Sydney should have a ring of steel around it like Melbourne did last year. It's always possible to do things more more strictly um, to stop it spreading into the regions. But the main, but the main thing is in greater, in greater Sydney is to actually reduce circulation even further. So this is we're all chasing our tails because of this Delta variant, Norman. And a question from Laura on this. If Delta is more contagious, are masks less effective? Laura's been dealing with so many idiots who aren't wearing masks where she works in Sydney. No, masks reduce transmission by 60 or 70%. And potentially with Delta being more transmissible, that's an even more effective response than previously. So it's 60 70% no matter what. It's 60 or 70% of a more transmissible virus. Sure, if you've got a little bit of leakage around the end of the mask... Uh, you might need less virus to get infected, but it's still a very effective response. And it's the most effective response we've got apart from social distancing. And Norman, we were talking a week or so ago about what happens to leftover Pfizer vaccines. Well, someone has tweeted us saying that they are a GP in Sydney's inner west, has appointments full up to September. Any inverted commas leftovers go to the appointment list for first dose in order until someone puts their hand up to go early. The second shot is always scheduled at the first shot. Yeah. So I think from all your responses, and thank you very much for them, it seems that Distribution to Pfizer to general practice is well organised and I'd be very surprised if there's much wastage at all there from what you're saying. It's great. Anyway, that's all we've got time for on today's CoronaCast. If you've got a question or a comment to make, you can always send it in at abc.net.au slash coronacast. And we'll see you tomorrow. See you then.